Episode 92 of the Small Business Startup Essentials Podcast, an interview with the founder of both companies, Spider Gap and Air Manual, serial entrepreneur Alexis Kingsbury. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Small Business Startup Essentials a Podcast. My name is Tom Claremont, a small business startup coach and podcast launcher. And this show is dedicated to helping you with your small business launch. And this show is for you if you're tired of just thinking about following your dreams, but now you're actually wanting to take the steps in the right direction and you believe in yourself. Well, maybe you're making that later in life pivot and you want to retire with purpose. I'll help you go from dream to destiny step by step and give you the ingredients you'll need for the recipe of small business success. Don't forget to subscribe or click the follow button for the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And our guest today is Alexis Kingsbury. Alexis is an award-winning entrepreneur with over 10 years of experience, currently running two SaaS businesses, software as a service, with a growing team of 16 plus people and supports others as a board member and consultant and a coach. Recently, Alexis has been talking to a lot of other business owners to understand what holds them back from systemizing their businesses to save them time and allow them to grow, you know, what's worked for others, right? And he's been sharing his findings and it's had a huge impact on many businesses. For example, Alexis won the most valued content award in 2021 for his workshop at Dan Bradbury's Success Mastermind. Now that's a community of 60 plus small business owners, which led to over 30 business owners adopting the tools and processes recommended. Alexis is also a husband, a dad of two, He's passionate about balancing work alongside family life, and he makes sure his team does that also. He also enjoys craft beer, whiskey, skiing, skateboarding, dancing, gaming, golf, touch rugby, and squash. Well, Alexis, thanks for being thanks with us today. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's fantastic to be here. Thank you for having me, Thomas. Now, in, in looking at your uh, LinkedIn bio, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. And you're a young guy, you know, and you've accomplished quite a bit in, in your lifetime so far. Uh, I'm really impressed. And, and that's part of why I wanted to have you on the show is so that you can explain your journey and your, the path, the decisions you made and how you worked through doing so much in such of a short time span here right so how did it start for you when did you realize you were sort of you had that entrepreneurial spirit so well that firstly uh thank you for uh that kind description of my <laughs> my career uh to this point and it's it's a funny one i think um a lot of entrepreneurs have this experience where uh <laughs> you sort of it doesn't feel fast and 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 you know rapid growth and successful at the time reminds me a little bit of the uh uh, uh, the the imagery around Einstein's theory of relativity, where if you um, if you drop a stone off a train, from your perspective as dropping it, uh, it drops uh, just straight down. But of course, the other people at the side they watch it and go, "Wow, look at that! Look how far that went uh, to the side." So 
So I think, I, 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 uh, although I massively appreciate the uh, um, uh, the celebration of the various things that we've done, it, as as an entrepreneur, it does. There are various ups and downs as we went along. In terms of how I started and or where we started, I've always been entrepreneurial of of spirit. I guess back to when I was really young as a uh, back in my early teens or even just before that washing cars sweeping drives doing newsletters uh, clearing streams of weeds and things uh, just to earn a bit of money uh, i think even uh, with um, with one with one of those i may have even employed one of my school friends to to do some of that and um that's that that drive I've always sort of had in in various parts of my career but I, I haven't always been in entrepreneurship I haven't always been running my own business and and spent some time in the essentially sort of corporate more corporate world as a management consultant as part of a company of thousands of people uh, working with organizations of tens or even hundreds of thousands of people uh, with uh, with what they were doing and uh, from there, uh, I then uh, started the businesses that I have now. So was there um, a, a launch point or was it sort of a fluid movement for you from your youth to, you know, to having your first business? Was, was, there, a, was there a gap? Was there any specific like event or, or you know, somebody encouraging you to start your first company or was this sort of a a, a, a fluid motion sure. so for me particularly when i was young i was just playing around uh, to some extent <laughs> uh, i remember sort of playing around on a computer that i that i had for for for, uh, for studies things and and back then it was unusual to have a computer uh, for for studies but i was really into it so I, I made sure that we got we got one i think it was my birthday and christmas present for for a year or two um and i back then created a website with banner advertising and made some you know got my first check from from doing those sorts of things <laughs> but as i went into when i went to university and and so on i i did did do other businesses and kept on trying different things but I always struggled to see how I could scale it beyond me how I could get to a point where it would properly grow or, or become a business that I could sell and because I struggled with that I concluded that what I've got to do is go and find out how big businesses run and so I embarked down a route of looking at management consulting and, and that's what I then went into when I left university. And so I then spent multiple years working with other big businesses, helping them to improve their ways of working, helping them improve their uh, team development and uh, their processes and their uh, meetings and helping them with uh, facilitating workshops and so on. Whilst all the while <laughs> looking at how do these big businesses scale like this? How do they make all of that work? And there are various things that I learned as part of that. Uh, one of the key things being you've got to find, uh, create a product or a service that adds a lot of value. And you've got to create processes that allow you to, uh, to sell and deliver that value in a consistent way. And then you have to find really great people that can operate those processes and as a result, grow the business. But it wasn't until 
really when I started to look at some of the people I looked up to, the, the people I sort of idolized in, in when I was consultant, uh, consultant, that I started to realize or perhaps remember that this isn't where I wanted to be long term. And, and particularly for me, it was when I was looking at some of the, the youngest partners that had uh, gone up the, the, the corporate rankings super quick uh, that I was aspiring to, to do while I was there. I realized that they they weren't getting time with their their family. They were seemingly successful and and doing the this great work for clients and earning decent money and all these sorts of things, but actually weren't able to see their 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 families for a lot because of the travel requirements and the the late working hours and and the commitment of the role. And so back then I concluded, right, I that if that's not the uh, long-term career path for me, perhaps I, I do want to, to go, into, uh, 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 go into my own businesses again and not just go and continue doing consulting, which is a fantastic thing to do. And I also still love that, but build software businesses, which is what I kind of felt was, was my, my true calling. Mm. And when you have a software company, you can have a lot of passive income as well. Yeah, it's, right? it's, it's a funny one because I, I think that was what drove my thinking. Certainly in the, in the early days, I thought mm -hmm. I, I can't grow a consulting business. Uh, I, I will be trading time for money. I, I won't be able to earn without putting that time in. And I wasn't convinced that mm -hmm. I would be able to find talented people that would be willing to work for me, particularly back then when I felt like I was uh, still relatively junior. Uh, I think a classic example of imposter syndrome. Uh, so I, I didn't imagine that I could grow a consulting practice. I di didn't feel like I could uh, be uh, financially successful or, 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 or get myself into a position where I had uh, freedom, financial freedom, time freedom uh, through that method. And so what I thought at the time was, mm -hmm. I need to, we need to build a, a passive income type business. And of course, years ago, there was uh, lots of um, uh, sort of events and so on about, you know, build yourself a passive income. And I think what I've learned is you can certainly have a more passive income than, say, working directly for a salary. But it's rare that it's truly, completely passive because... With the mm -hmm. software business, for example, yes, people are paying you an annual subscription or monthly subscription or whatever, but they are expecting that you'll sort out data security and keep the servers online and fix bugs and add new features mm -hmm. and answer support queries. And, and of course, in addition to all of that, you still probably want to add customers uh, to the um, uh, to your model because you're probably losing some customers over time. So you need marketing and you need sales right. <laughs> and all those sorts mm -hmm. of things. And, and right. managing mm -hmm. all of that doesn't feel very passive. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So Spider Gap was your was that your first big software company right. that you started? Yeah. So we created Spider Gap mm -hmm. and learned so much through that journey, uh, particularly that we aimed to solve a particular problem that as consultants we we'd been um, having when working with clients. And so we created this product. We did a big product launch with a launch party. And I cringe to say it because now I would certainly advise that that is not the way to uh, try and find your product market fit. It is much better to start selling <laughs> rather than going for a <laughs> big launch. 
And what we found mm -hmm. within a couple of years of running, uh, running it that way and this particular angle that we had on what we we're doing was that the, the proposition that we had at that time wasn't a good fit for the market and the market wasn't willing to pay what we would need to make all of that work. So after some various conversations with the small number of customers we did have, we realized that we needed to pivot. We need to focus on a more specific value proposition. And what we identified was that the, the area that we could really add value in was around employee development and specifically 360 degree feedback, helping an employee to understand based on the feedback of their manager, their peers, their direct reports, and their own view, give them a really good understanding of where, do, where are their strengths that they need to play to and where do they most need to improve and how to and help them to take action on that. It's something that we've been really passionate about ourselves as a, we're really passionate about personal development and have been over the years with our teams as well and have obviously done it as consultants with other people's organizations. But it when we tapped into that and we really identified what it was about existing tools that meant that they weren't quite meeting organizations' needs and, and they weren't employee-friendly, they, were, they weren't really able to be utilized, it allowed us to get really specific about what we were doing. And I remember us specifically sitting in my co-founder's living room, we decided, well, what should we set our vision as for a sensible period of time? And we decided we wanted to be the top rated 360 feedback tool. We wanted to be the most appreciated by administrators and, and HR people and by employees. Uh, and a few years later, uh, we were the, we are now the top rated 360 feedback tool uh, 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 available online and have been for, for a number of years now used by over 550 organizations uh, all over the mm. world. Wow. Um, but it was, yeah, it took time and it was <laughs> certainly not passive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So after Spider Gap became, there was Air Manual. That's right. That yeah. So, okay. how, how did that transition? Sure. So, happen? with Spider Gap, one of the things that became clear as we uh, started to get a good product market fit and, and customers were really liking what we were doing was that we needed to start to grow the business and scale. And I think for most businesses, it's rarely a, okay, we're ready to scale, pump, you know, pump the gas and everything just go crazy. It's you, you need to add incrementally. And uh, often that's a, a painful process as, as you attempt to work out what's been in your brain as the business owner. How do you now pass this to someone else um, and, and get them up to speed, particularly when the whole reason you're hiring someone is because you yourself are busy or the team that you're hiring into is busy. And so what we found with our own business at SpiderGap was that documenting and systemizing those processes and the, the training, the onboarding as interactive checklists made it so much easier for us to do that. And it meant that we were able to recruit and onboard people much so much faster and easier and not have to spend a load of time spoon days but also the quality of work of what they could do and how quickly they could get incredible and so that enabled us to do so much of what we have done in terms of our growth so much faster um and after doing that the uh, but the the tools that we uh, a little bit like back with the 360 feedback tool the tools that we were using for doing it weren't great they weren't fast they weren't user friendly it was difficult for uh, employees to then continuously improve the processes so even if we created them and they used them they weren't able to improve it 
And so we, we then developed Air Manual to solve that problem. It's a, a tool that allows people to, uh, in a really easy way, document and, and systemize their processes in the tool, make them interactive, uh, and yeah, as a result, delegate more effectively. And so, so that's what we, we created, I suppose, scratching our own itch, um, but particularly uh, mm-hmm. with the in, intention of helping many other businesses out there to, to, to scale and solve some of their biggest problems, like um, not having to rely on specific people where, uh, and, and have issues when they go sick on holiday because everything's in their head or um, being able to mm. continuously improve what they're doing so they're not making the same mistakes over and over or consistent, uh, continuously dropping balls or freeing up the time of the leaders so that they can elevate themselves and, and be more strategic in the business, working on it rather than in it, or uh, getting those new team members up to speed faster and making sure that they're performing and, uh, and, and making sure that employee management is an easy process, not a painful one. And so all of those things... Yeah, it's we can make such a difference when we when we get to do that with with businesses and and have been very fortunate to to start doing that in a very short period of time. We've worked with a, a lot of businesses now on on doing that. Mm, yeah. So when you first started Spider Gap, were you, did you have a partner or were you just a yeah? So uh, back when I left the consulting firm, uh, there was another consultant at the company. Who, he worked in a different department. He worked in software devel- in the kind of software development consulting uh, part. Uh, we happened to join the company at the same time in completely different departments and so on, but got on really well and would often meet up socially and would share our hopes and dreams <laughs> over, over a beer uh, on a regular occasion. And I remember being sat in a, a, a pub in Battersea in London, about where I lived at the time, and I was discussing and saying, we should just do this. And I remember uh, as uh, particularly him saying, well, you know, how are we going to have the money? And I said, don't worry, I'll, I'll sell some consulting projects early on and, and so on. And then I remember, uh, I, I, I note that this was after a few beers. So in the following <laughs> weeks, I then had to work out how I was going to make good on that confident promise. Uh, but uh, but fortunately, I did, and we did have paid consulting work on day one of the company being incorporated, and so on. Mm. And that's an important thing, mm-hmm. I think, for um, many of your listeners who perhaps haven't made the leap yet. They're they're cu- currently working in a, a, a paid job that is safe and has security, and maybe they think one day I'd like to start a business. I, I want to do this, but I'm not sure when, and I'm a bit worried about the jump. I think I could have, uh, one of the things that I did do well was that we used the time in the company that we were at uh, around the edges, you know, lunch breaks and after work and so on to start that planning process, to think about what were we going to provide as a, as a consulting offering and what was going to be our messaging and uh, who would we reach out to and so on. I think we could have done more upfront and carried on doing that for longer and probably got uh, been able to start faster and reduce our risk, but we thought, oh no, we need to get up and running more and get out get out the company. But we we did have a transition period, and partly as part of serving notice and so on. So I think it's important that people in those roles don't underutilize that time because you don't have to leave and then start your business. You can 
you have as a salaried employee you have so much time outside of work generally and it is tougher as a as a as a parent and i understand that fully as i have two children and my business partner has three uh that it's it, it is tough but you can find that time and uh start that process and particularly get to a point where you've essentially got your first likely customer or even paying customer before uh, or indeed many more than that before you have to make that leap Mm, right. So when you started Spider Gap, we're dialing it back a little bit, you eventually had, you, you know, it was you and your partner, but at some point you had to go beyond that and start to build a team or a, a staff. How did you work through that process and how did you pick your first staff person and why was it them? Yeah. So, I guess the the short answer to how we did it was badly and upfront. <laughs> we started off by doing all the things that I've now learned you absolutely shouldn't do. So when we first hired people, we thought, okay, you know, we want to grow, therefore let's hire a salesperson. We want to develop the product and not have to do the uh, the the grunt work uh, work. Let's hire a, um, you know uh, some some staff to to do that part. Whereas now I would look back and say, there's so much more that we can do before we like when we should have been working out what works first so that we can hand it over, not uh, assume that we'll just bring someone in. They'll have the skills, they'll work it out. If we haven't worked it out by that point, then the chances for them are not high. I remember bringing in the salesperson who had loads of experience in sales. But without the sales processes and the collateral and, and so on, it was impossible for them to make headway. So in, in later experiences, I started off with, okay, here's the sales process. I've tested that it works. Here's the metrics mm -hmm. that work all the way mm -hmm. through. This is how many demo calls we need to have. This is what conversion rate we need. This is the average order value of those customers. This is how long they need to stay for. So that when I then hired the salesperson and onboarded, trained them and so on, and they followed the processes to, to do what I was doing, I was then able to check, are they hitting the same kind of numbers? And if not, identify where is it the process do i need to coach them on some skills listening to recordings of their calls all those sorts of things to identify what it was rather than just assume oh i'll hire a great salesperson ever, uh, everything will be fine mm, mm, but also in terms of mm. how we identified the people to work with uh back at the first time we did it we did what i think a lot of business owners do which is okay we put an advert out there we've got a few applicants we reviewed some cvs we said these look amazing as a result interviewed a few got on really well so yeah we've picked one of uh, probably, I think we probably had 10 candidates and filtered down and ended up with uh, two that seemed really good and we picked our favorite. Now, when I hire, typically for a sales type role and appreciate, you know, we are a globally distributed company. I have team members in Venezuela, US, Canada, Spain, Italy, mm, UK, mm. Sweden, Kenya, India, you know, we have a lot of places. So I have the benefit of being able to cast a wide net. But for a sales role, I'm mm. typically looking for 200 to 500 candidates in the top of the funnel for us mm. to then filter down to identify who's going to be absolutely brilliant in the role. And ideally, I'll have a few other candidates that we would like to have hired, but didn't have enough roles. And then we'll keep in touch with them 
uh, over the following months so that if a role becomes available, then we've got someone lined up and I don't have to repeat a three to six month recruitment process. For a software developer role, we'll cast the net even wider and look for more like a thousand to two thousand <laughs> candidates uh, to, uh, to to get the absolute perfect people. Which, it, But the great thing is it means that one of the things that people love about working in our team is that the team are fantastic. Everyone's super smart, but also the culture is great. They're really, uh, um, uh, they really demonstrate our values and everyone is just nice to work with, which means that in terms of em employee retention, one of the things that people often say is, you know, I, why, would, why would I leave? I, I will have to work with far inferior <laughs> team members than what I've got now. Um, <laughs> So I think, uh, yeah, we did everything wrong in those first few times when we were hiring. Uh, and that's not even to speak of then the managing of those people, because when I was a consultant, my manager, I had a line manager who told me that I'd never make a good manager and, and uh, because I, I kind of didn't have the people skills to bring people with me and, and so on. I was a bit too... Uh, focused and I would I'd see the answer and I'd run at it and not necessarily bring everyone with me and explain and so that I think that always held me back from wanting to to hire and so on I was worried that I'd just get it wrong and when we did then hire one of the things that I neglected to do was set up any kind of management processes and so on I, I sort of assumed that by bringing in a really great person, they would self-manage. And that's something I hear from other business owners. Mm. They, they kind of go, oh, I really want, a, I want an A player that will come in and self-manage. And so I got, uh, this mm. wasn't my first hire, so I think like third or fourth uh, hire after learning and making mistakes on previous ones, and they left and I uh, got some new. But um, I remember that hire was fantastic. She was an A player. She did really well. She hit the metrics. She, we worked on her on improving processes and so on but then handed in her notice after 11 months because she hadn't felt engaged. She hadn't felt developed and supported and so on. And of course, from my perspective, I was thinking, what are you talking about? I was empowering you. <laughs> you, can, you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Whereas the reality <laughs> is that actually people, most employees want to feel supported and that you care and that, uh, that you're helping them identify what their career goals are. And what I've come to learn is actually that's a really rewarding thing to do within the business but the thing that's made it easy for me because that wasn't my natural skill set has been putting the processes in place we have processes and meeting rhythms that make it easy for me to look after and support my team we have those processes whether it's you know supported as part of by 360 feedback and uh, weekly one-to-ones with managers and quarterly performance reviews and so on. And there's detailed processes and templates and so on that support all of that, that mean that I don't forget to look after uh, someone's needs or remove the blockers or have a discussion about their career or help them identify their personal development goals. It's all built into just how we work. And so for me, the uh, I kind of have two big of the biggest highlights of my career as an entrepreneur have actually not been about hitting particular financial milestones or customer numbers or selling particular customers. Um, number two was uh, that um, uh, being described as the best manager someone's ever had. After thinking that that was going to be mm. something that I was never going to be good at, being described as the best manager that someone's ever had. But number one, 
has got to be seeing feedback about other people uh, from other people in the company about their manager that isn't me and saying that that is the best manager they've ever had. Because more important mm. to me than mm. being a good manager is creating the processes and the systems and the, the training, the onboarding and so on, so that we create fantastic managers in the team without them mm. having to be hired mm -hmm. on that basis. I hear so many people saying, oh, it's, for, mm -hmm. it's really hard to get good managers because you tend to promote people that are just good at the role. They're a good salesperson, so they become the sales manager. They're a good developer, so they become head of engineering. Mm -hmm. they, they're a good, uh, good finance mm -hmm. person, so they become head of finance. But it doesn't make them a good manager. But often I think the mistake is mm -hmm. to then assume you have to go out looking for good managers. Good managers are rarely born good managers that most of them get it through mm -hmm. experience or modeling what they see others do but there is another way that that we found because i'm more like a robot <laughs> that's uh, creating the processes and systems that mean that they're able to follow uh, particular steps in a non-robotic way that that mean that we get really good results mm. and and that is one that highlights of my career has been getting to that point where people feel like they're really supported by their by their managers and yet their managers don't find it a hard thing to do mm, yeah good good advice so alexis sort of wrap it up with with a, a final question how have you seen the startup business process change since you started uh spider gap versus the way it is now oh yeah so there's quite there's quite a few changes i'd say one of the biggest benefits and and thing that's changed is the amount of information that's available now to tell you how to do it so back when i started spider gap i think um lean startup was a book that was brand new on the scene and mm. i was reading that mm. as a as someone who'd come from a lean consulting background a process consulting background and so on mm. and going okay yeah this is mm -hmm. this is really good and i like the principles but they're you know principles i'm familiar with but i can see how to apply it but then when we tried though there were lots of uh, bumps in the road that made it very difficult for us to repeat the build measure learn cycle and so on for example it's very hard to uh, build, measure, and learn when you've got zero customers. <laughs> and the uh, what's uh, I believe phrase is the, the audacity of zero is is hard to overcome. So the one but one of the benefits is that over the years we've come from a few examples to loads of brilliant podcasts, including your own uh, books, webinars, events. There's so much out there now that can give you really good advice on how to start a business. And in general. Uh, the, the good advice tells you to be selling the product or service first so that you're working out that you've got a good product idea rather than start with an idea and build build the product, build the service, and then go find out if it's going to sell, do it the other way around. And there's loads of other good advice that kind of builds on, on that to, to then help you, you grow it. So I think that's one change that is significantly more helpful. Obviously, the fact that the... Uh, progression of the internet and social media and so on makes things hugely uh, um, uh, it, it's leveled the playing fields in many ways so it means that actually as a new starter to that that sphere you have as 
uh, as open an opportunity to you for you to start connecting with people. And, and actually, it's never been easier for you to reach out to someone via LinkedIn or whatever it is and just make a connection and mm-hmm. ask them, you know, I'm interested in starting a business doing this or I'm having some problems doing this. You like, I'd be really up for a coffee if I can buy you one or, you know, have a quick call. And as long as you're doing it as a tailored approach and it's genuine and so on, you'll often get yes. And so all of that is possible in the way that it perhaps wasn't before. But on the flip side, getting attention is probably harder. So if when you're trying to then scale and get out to lots of people, that's harder. And I think getting great candidates or getting or employing people can be harder because there are so many more op- options and opportunities for people out there. And so I, I speak to some business owners, I was speaking to one yesterday, who they're really struggling to hire. And when we talked about their approach to hiring, it's very old school. It was kind of basically saying, well, we'll you know, come and work for us. You get a salary. What, what more could you want? <laughs> Whereas, of course, now I, I would approach recruitment as marketing. It's you've got to think about who the candidates are and take through the funnel. So there's, the, there's been a huge leveling of the player field in that in that way but it does mean that you need to kind of up your game and, and think more about the person at the at the other end so i'd say that's that's one been one of the the biggest changes a lot has changed uh, in the past few years for sure yeah social media really is a different dynamic nowadays as opposed to just even five ten years ago well alexis really great stuff uh today really appreciate your insight and uh you know your ability to to share your your journey with us here today uh just thanks for taking some time out of your day to to help listeners uh, understand uh more about you what you've done how you did it and give us some inspiration along the way on on how others can do my that absolute well. pleasure no it's, it's been really really enjoyable and i'd love to uh, help more if I can. If anyone would like to uh, reach out and connect on LinkedIn, they can find me. It's Alexis Kingsbury. Uh, there's not not many of us uh, that particularly none none of us that also work for Spider Gap and Air Manual. Uh, if you'd like information about either Spider Gap as a 360 degree feedback tool, that's available at spidergap.com, and you can find out about Air Manual at airmanual.co, uh, where you can uh, you can go learn more, arrange a demo, or just uh, access some of our resources and example templates, processes, and so on. But I'd really love people to reach out, connect on LinkedIn, send me a message. Be very happy to uh, help out with whatever challenges they've got. Ultimately, it's a um, entrepreneurship is a very difficult, uh, bumpy, and sometimes lonely road. And so ultimately, we all have to help each other as much as we can. So do reach out and connect, and I'll be happy to help in any way I can. Alexis Kingsbury from airmanual.co. That's right. Yeah, happy for people to email me, uh, alexis at airmanual.co. Yeah, send me an email. Uh, Be happy to help. Good. Great. Thanks for your time today. Well, friends, that about wraps it up for this episode. Please click on the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And don't forget, I have that ebook of the month club that I offer. Just pump in your email address and I'll send you each month uh, an ebook that I created all on the topics of small business startups. And if you like this podcast and you want to start your own podcast, 
I have a different ebook called Starting a Podcast. <laughs> Over 50 pages uh, that will cover pretty much all you'll need to know to get started in your own podcast. It's the DIY method. Folks, always stay encouraged, follow your dream, and don't give up.